All right, well, take our Bible and turn to Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. And for those who are in the Cornerstone Couples class, some of these, uh, I, I just couldn't get our Sunday school lesson off my mind. And this is a little bit different than what we uh, talked about on Sunday morning, but um, I think some of these things will be a little little bit of review for uh, those in my Sunday school class, but many of you were not there, so I think um, it'll be new, at least new-ish material for you. I'm sure that uh, you've uh, remembered the book of Ruth, um, but the title of the message tonight is Don't Go to Moab. Don't Go to Moab. And uh, the book of Ruth, uh, in chapter number one, I'm going to read just through verse number five to start with, and we will look at a few other verses as we go through the message tonight, but primarily we'll be in this little passage, uh, Ruth chapter one, verse one, and the word of God says this, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Mahalon and Chilion, Ephaphrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Mahalon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. And with that, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into our message for tonight. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house um, in the middle of the week here. Thank you for each one that's here, and I pray, Lord, for a special blessing upon each one of them. And, uh, Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts uh, tonight. Help us, Lord, to not go to Moab. And, uh, Lord, I'm not obviously talking about necessarily the physical place, but the figurative place called Moab in each of our lives. Help us, Lord, to stay in the place of blessing, to stay in the place where you are. And, uh, God, I ask that you would guide and direct during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this story, uh, in just these five verses here, we uh, watch a family uh, move from Bethlehem, which obviously is a special place in the Bible. Of course, it is referred to as the place of bread or the house of bread. Uh, but uh, more famously, uh, Bethlehem is the birthplace of a Redeemer that we sung about uh, this evening. And that's where Jesus was born in this town called Bethlehem. And that's where this family was residing in Bethlehem. And they moved from that special place to Moab. And Moab was, of course, a pagan nation, a place of uh, complete idolatry and total wickedness. And it's pretty amazing that they would be willing to do that. Um, and we're going to look at some of the reasons why they did. Now, uh, with that in mind, I want us to think about uh, something that happened uh, just within a very recent time. In fact, uh, the 
end of the story came this morning when a prisoner in Pennsylvania was caught after a two-week manhunt. And many of you maybe followed that story. But Danilo Cavalcante was the escaped convict, and he escaped from a Pennsylvania prison and was the target of a massive two-week-long manhunt through rural areas in the southeastern part of Pennsylvania, and he was finally captured today. The weeks of unease and worry for area residents, and I was reading about some of the residents there that anytime they had to go to their car, uh, they had to get a, they wanted an escort, you know, somebody, a friend or a family member that would walk them to their car because they were just scared that maybe this guy, uh, Danella, was out there. Uh, but the weeks of uneasy and worry uh, was lifted when authorities tracked uh, this guy down in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, using thermal scanning technology and a plane that picked up his heat signal overnight. Now, here's the reason I bring that up tonight is because, see, in his attempt to escape the bad situation that he was in there in prison and he tried to escape that, Danello actually ended up in a worse situation than he was before. Because how many of us think that his prison time is now going to be easier than it was before? No, I don't think so. I think his prison time is going to be far worse than it was before. In his attempt to escape what he thought was a bad situation, he ended up in a worse situation. Now, obviously, there's a, a great difference of trying to escape prison and, uh, and what we see here in the book of Ruth, chapter number one. Uh, but the results end up being the same thing. See, in an attempt to make their situation better, they ended up making it way worse. And uh, with this family, with this family of four from Bethlehem, when they moved to Moab, they ended up with results that were far worse than they were, a situation that was far worse than it was before they moved. And sometimes uh, we are tempted to look at our situation and, and, and see how negative it is and only focus on the negative and want to escape that and if we're not careful, we'll go to a place that God's not uh, pleased with and uh, God's not wanting us to move. And we end up in a situation far worse than we had before we tried to escape that. That's what happened to Elimelech and Naomi and uh, these two boys that ended up moving from Bethlehem, the house of bread, the birthplace, the future birthplace of Jesus Christ. And they moved to Moab. Now, I want to kind of break this down a little bit here and uh, help us to understand uh, what it means for us to stay in a place that God wants us to be and not to be hasty to move or to make big changes in our lives. Now, some of us, uh, boy, we are, take a long time to make decisions. Other of, uh, others of us are real spontaneous. It's like, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, do things on a whim. And, and uh, my, my encouragement in this message is to uh, challenge each of us to really weigh the cost of making big decisions like this. Because I don't think Elimelech really took the time to consider what could have potentially happened with this, with this maneuver. So let's uh, break this down here very quickly. Number one, let's look at the difficulty. The difficulty that uh, the 
this family was experiencing in Bethlehem. And, and no doubt it was a difficult scenario. In verse number one, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. Okay, so this is, this is back, and if you know anything about the book of Judges, you know that it's a crazy cycle of, um, of the nation of Israel kind of doing that which is right in their own eyes and uh, falling away and forsaking God. And then, and then God bringing them out of it after, after some time of repentance and, and, uh, and asking for forgiveness and for deliverance, and, and God would bring a deliverer. And then the cycle would repeat over and over and over again throughout the book of Judges. And, 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 and if you look in um, your book, your Bible's open to Ruth chapter number one. If you look in the last verse of Judges chapter, the last verse of the book of Judges, this really sum, sums up the whole, uh, the whole book with this one verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So... Wasn't they were trying to do wrong? They were trying to do right, but but what they did is they wanted to do right in their own eyes. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be ones calling the shots, and 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 it was very much like America today, where hey, what's right for me is right for me, and what's right for you is right for you. No, no, no. We we need to get back to what we need to do right in the sight of God, because He is the authority, and and what's right in the Word of God, and those type of things, but. Uh, back in the book of Judges and in the days when uh, this book of Ruth was, um, uh, the, what, when this took place, everybody was doing that, which was right in his own eyes. So that was a problem. And then the Bible says in verse number one, it says, and there was a famine in the land. So it wasn't like when they were hungry, they could just run down to the local Mickey D's and uh, get themselves a Big Mac value meal which, by the way, is not really a value meal anymore uh, if you've ever been to McDonald's, uh, unless you use the app, and then you earn some points and you can get some good deals, which I have learned to do. Um, but uh, in, in those days, I mean, it was, it was not pleasant. I mean, they, didn't ha they couldn't go to the grocery stores. I mean, it, it, looked, like, it looked like COVID was happening. I mean, the, the shelves were completely bare, and uh, they couldn't get food. They couldn't get all those things. The, the ground was not producing. And uh, this kind of makes Bible scholars believe that the book of Ruth uh, and the story that, of when this took place happened during the time right before Gideon took over as judge. Um, if you go in the book of Judges chapter number 6 very quickly... And just kind of see the context of when probably this happened. Uh, it doesn't say exactly uh, who the, the judge was or when, but, but, but likely it was this situation here in uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 1 says, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And, uh, and then here, the, the next few verses really kind of explain what the Midianites did. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. They encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come into Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel." neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. 
For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So uh, there was a tremendous, uh, they, they came in and basically invaded the area and basically took all of their crops and destroyed them all. So in this day, there was a tremendous famine in the land. And, and uh, we read in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1 that there was a famine in the land. So probably it took place uh, when Gideon uh, was about to be called to be the deliverer, to be the judge uh, of Israel. Okay, so uh, some serious problems. They were living in a day when um, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. They were living in a day when there was uh, no food for them. And so Elimelech was wanting to provide for his family, and that's a healthy thing to do. Uh, a father and the head of the home needs to provide for his family. I mean, if he is not willing to work, he's not willing to provide for his family, what does the Bible say? He is worse than a infidel. Um, so it's a good thing that he wanted to provide for his family and to take them to a place where there was there was bread, there was food, there was uh, plenty. Um, and... And it was really easy for him to kind of focus on the problems. And if we're not careful, that's all we can focus in, uh, in our own situation, whatever that situation may be when it comes to our job, let's say. We can easily just focus on all the negatives. And, and are there negatives at every job? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. There, there are pros and cons. There's difficulties and challenges with every situation. I mean, well, if I just had that job, then everything would be perfect. No, we, we know that in our minds that's not true, but in our hearts sometimes we do think it's true. And if we're not careful, all we'll do is focus on the negative and the difficulty. And I think that's what Elimelech was doing. He was just kind of narrow-minded in what he was focused on. We were, we're in a bad situation. We're in a famine. We've got to get out of here and get some food. Now, again, I don't want to fault him too much because I believe that he was trying to uh, give the best to his family. But, but where he goes and where he wants to take his family uh, to provide for that, there's, there's a little bit of gain in it, but there's a whole lot of loss in it. And he doesn't exactly think it through totally. So... Again, if, our, if we're not careful, we'll think about all the difficulty. This happens in marriage. Oh, well, my wife's not perfect, and she does this, or she doesn't do that, and, and he always does this, and he never does that. And it's just we focus, focus, focus on the negative so much that pretty soon we convince ourselves we have to leave. Does this happen in churches? No, never, actually. It never does. Oh, I think it does quite a bit. Oh, well, the pastor's not perfect. Well, newsflash, no one said that he was. <laughs> um, uh, this is wrong. This is wrong. And we can get focused on the difficulty and the negative and the negative to where we go. We've got to find somewhere that's better than this. And we find ourselves in a different church. And guess what? That church isn't perfect either. You want to know why it's not perfect? Because you're in it. <laughs> And because I'm in it, uh, we're, none of us are perfect. So 
If it was perfect and you joined it, you would ruin the perfection there, right? So the difficulty, and, and, and Elimelech, I think, was really focused on the negative. And here's why I think that he was focused on the negative, because later in the story, his wife was only focused on the negative. Where did she get that from? Probably from Elimelech, because he was negative Ned. And he was like, man, there's this, this place is the pits. I mean, Bethlehem, it's such an obscure little town anyway. And now there's just this horrible famine going on. And we got to get out of here. We got to get out of Dodge. Let's go find somewhere where there's some food, where we can enjoy life. And boy, I've got these boys to feed. And I feel your pain, Elimelech. I actually have three boys that I have to feed. And uh, they're all almost teenagers now. And that's no, no bueno. It is bueno. But when it comes to the food bill, it's not bueno. Um, there was a difficulty. Okay. And, and, and I'm not trying to say that your life doesn't have any difficulties and that we need to minimize them or, you know, put them out of our mind. It was a real problem, but here's what happened. That difficulty number two led to the decision, the decision. So verse number one says there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So they thought, you know what? Let's run away from our problems. Let's try to escape our problems. And we're going to just sojourn. Now, what does the word sojourn mean? It, it means to dwell temporarily. So the idea was Elimelech said to his family, hey, we're just going to, for a little while, go to Moab. And I know it may not be the most godly environment there is, but we're going to go and uh, just for a little bit until things are better back home. So he went to sojourn. And the Bible says in verse number two, it gives the names of all these people at the very end of it. It says, they came into the country of Moab and continued there. But weren't they supposed to just sojourn there? Just kind of hang out until things kind of got a little better? Maybe till they can get a couple good meals in them and, and maybe carry some food back with them to Bethlehem? No, they continued there. And they continued there for what the Bible says at the end of verse number four, if you look there. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And here it is. They dwelled there about how many years? Ten years. Well, Limelech, didn't you say you were just going to kind of go for a little while? Ten years isn't exactly a little while. It's not exactly sojourning. I mean, that sojourning went to continuing, went to being there for ten years. Wow. And this was his decision as the head of the home. Now, Moab, I want to remind us what this place was. This place was a place of tremendous idolatry. And, and uh, I want to remind us uh, what this nation was named after. Named after a man by the name of Moab. And if you remember who he was, he was the son of the eldest daughter of Lot, who was conceived in incest. So... Not a great start to his life. 
And he went on to be a pretty wicked individual. And this nation was uh, a horrible place of idolatry. Uh, the major god that they worshipped was a god by the name of Shemosh. And one way they worshipped this particular god was very similar to the way that others worshipped Molech. And that was through child sacrifice. I mean, literally, families would take their little child children and put them into the fire, hoping to appease this false god. I mean, Elimelech, you want to move your family to Moab? Just because it has a little bit extra food than you have at home? Is that really worth it, putting your family in that type of environment? Now, we mentioned Lot a moment ago. Doesn't this remind you a little bit of Lot? When in the book of Genesis, he was given a choice and, and he saw the, the well-watered plains of, uh, of, of Jordan and, and pitched his tent towards Sodom and took his family to Sodom, a place of horrible wickedness. A similar thing happens here with Elimelech. He takes his family purposely to Moab where the worship of Chemosh or Shemosh was uh, very prevalent. The Moabites were so into their worship of Chemosh that actually, uh, more than being known as Moabites, they were known as the people of Chemosh. And that's how much they were into their religion. So his decision was to take his family to this place of idolatry. Now, as you kind of go through this story, obviously, and I'm going to give a little spoiler alert to something we'll mention a little later in the message, but, but Ruth ends up turning her back on her worship of Chemosh to worship the one true God, the God of the Bible. So evidently, uh, Elimelech and Naomi really tried to encourage their boys and, and, in the things of the Lord, and, and they thought, well, hey, Look, we can move our family to Moab, but we're still going to like do the same things we were doing back in Bethlehem. We just want the food. We're not going to become part of the culture. Okay? And uh, so they kept, you know, the their their faith alive and and uh, they they kept growing in their faith and and uh, imparting that to their boys and then their boys imparting that to their their wives and one of them got it. So it's not to say that they, they went and totally became just like Moab. But it's not to say that Moab didn't have any impact and any influence in the lives of their children. Or also in the life of Naomi. Naomi, I think, took on some of the culture that she was exposed to there in Moab and as she comes back to Bethlehem, expresses some of the things that um, were going on in her heart that were a result of the influence that she was experiencing there in Moab. And by the way, obviously, we know that this family moved to Moab, but not everybody did. Not everybody looked around at their situation and said, we've got to move. We've got to get out of here. Let's go to Moab. So um, we, we know that many people just simply stayed put. If you go to uh, chapter 1 and verse number uh, 19, 
So this is after they go back, and I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit in the story. We'll get, we'll get, I'll explain it a little bit more here in a moment. But um, th- so they too went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, "Is this Naomi?" So 10 years go by, a whole decade transpires, and there's still people there that knew Naomi before she left. And so they stayed for those 10 years while they were off in Moab experiencing difficulty and trial, far greater than they were in Bethlehem. And uh, so not everybody moved. Not everybody looked at their situation and said, we've got to get out of here. So, so. Which one are you going to be? When you look at your situation and say, oh, there's some negativity in here. There's some, there's some bummers and blisters in my situation. Are you going to be an Elimelech and say, well, let's get out of here and try to find something better, which may not actually be better. It actually may be worse. Or are you going to be like the rest of the town there in verse number 19, that all the city was moved about them and uh, like they stayed. They they didn't they didn't leave they didn't they didn't go and experience tremendous loss. Now we don't know everybody's full story here, but um, which one are you going to be? And there were so many who stayed in Bethlehem during that famine, and God sustained them. And just because it's one of those situations, just because you can move or change, doesn't mean that you should. Also, doesn't mean that you shouldn't. I'm not. I'm not saying that God doesn't move people and change situations, and, and obviously God does that too, but, but, but we, we need to make sure that our reasoning is right because I don't think that Elimelech's reasoning was right. I think he was just kind of thinking about the temporary and the physical, and he said, who cares about the influence there at Moab on my family? It doesn't really matter. Um, I'm going to move and we're going to enjoy the benefit of being in that environment, not really counting the cost. And that leads me to number three here. So not only the difficulty and the decision, but let's look at the damage. There was tremendous damage that was done here. Um, Back in earlier in chapter one here, uh, we read in verse number three, says, an Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now, of course, this does beg the question, okay, so if they would have stayed in Bethlehem, would Elimelech stayed alive longer? We don't know that answer. Um, we can't necessarily point to the fact that because they moved, this is why he died. Uh, but he did happen to die while in Moab, while there for that 10 years. Okay, so Elimelech died and their boys ended up marrying pagan women. So, well, let's just go and try to get food for our stomachs. Well, what ended up happening is these two boys ended up marrying these, these, these two women from, Mo, for, from Moab. So uh, two Chemosh worshipers, they, they were okay with them getting married to these two women. Maybe they weren't okay with it, but that's what ended up happening. These two boys ended up marrying unbelievers. So 
making sure you're in the right environment is not the most important decision in your entire life, but it is a very important decision. Um, making sure that your family is in a good environment where they're not being exposed to a whole bunch of unbelievers. Well, wait, wait a minute. Aren't they supposed to be witnesses? Aren't they supposed to be missionaries? Yes. That doesn't mean you need to, you know, say, hey, pick one for your spouse, because that's what ended up kind of happening here. Now, obviously, we don't, I'm reading into it a little bit, but the Bible says in verse four, they took them wives of the women of Moab. That was not who they were supposed to be taking wives of. They were supposed to be taking wives of the people of God, and, and yet now they take wives of the women of Moab. And just an encouragement for you teenagers, don't even consider dating someone who's not a Christian. Don't even consider, don't even consider liking them, but he is so cute. Or she is so, back in the day, it was fine. Okay. Whatever. Whatever bussing, you know, whatever term that you guys use. Okay. Um, whatever term you guys use to say they're, they're all that. Well, in your mind, you need to have some standards in your heart and your life that they're not going to be bussing, bussing until they're Christian, Christian. Right. Okay. Did I just ruin, ruin, bussing, bussing? I think I did. That is my spiritual gift to ruin cool things. Okay. The idea here is before you even consider going down that path, you need to make sure that not only are they a Christian, are they a godly Christian in the word of God, living for God, sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. But too many Christian teenagers, all they want is just someone to like them. And they'll be willing to say, well, maybe I'll convert them. Doubtful. Um, can it happen? Yes. But to be reminded uh, to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There is that uh, instruction that we are uh, given in the book of Corinthians. Uh, to not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So don't even go down that road. Well, uh, these boys, they went down that road and they took them wives of Moab. Their boys ended up dying too. In verse number five, Mahalon and Chilion died also both of them and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So what was the damage? Well, Limelech died. Their boys married pagan women. Their boys ended up dying too. Now, again, would they have died if they would have been in? Was this God's judgment? I, I don't know that we can definitively say that with 100% conviction, but I, I, I happen to believe that probably it was God's judgment upon the decision to move to Moab. So my encouragement, again, in this message is don't go to Moab. And then... Another part of the damage here was that Naomi became a very bitter woman. So as she comes back to Bethlehem in verse number 19, they said, is this Naomi? And then verse 20, she said to them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the 
Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now, was that actually true? Did she come home empty? No, it wasn't true because she had, she, she left with a husband and two boys, and she comes back with a daughter-in-law, who now is a believer in God. So it's not that she came back completely empty. She was so focused on the negative here again and all of her problems. And she also believed that God, and she blamed it all on God. And I think that perhaps she got some of that from the culture there in Moab. Was it God's fault that all this happened? I mean, God allowed it all, obviously, but she was blaming God for it. And she was a bitter woman. And uh, I, I happen to think that it wasn't God's fault that all of this happened. It was Elimelech and Naomi for taking their family down there. That's who really the blame should lie, fall upon. When, when, when God is trying to get our attention and to bring us back to the right place, and there's trials and tribulations that happen, we can't say God is a bad, mean God. No, it, it was us who got off course. So Naomi was bitter at God, but ultimately it was her own fault, really Elimelech as well, who led his family down this road. So there was tremendous damage. So the decision to escape the problem caused them to go to a place where the problems were far greater. I mean, I think Naomi would have traded in a heartbeat in 2020 vision, right? Or hindsight vision is always 2020 is what I meant to say. But in, in, in her hindsight, she would have said, please give me the famine so that I can have my husband and boys back who aren't going to marry pagan women. But uh, the problem is you can't go back and, and trade that. And uh, I already mentioned Lot a little bit um, as he looked at his decision to take his family to the place where there was uh, evident prosperity, even though it was a wicked area, even though he knew it was filled with sodomites and people who uh, did not worship God at all. He thought, you know, we, we could really make a good life there. So he got the bucks and he got the sophisticated society, but what was the damage that he got? Well, the loss was much greater than the gain that he experienced. He lost his morals when he was offering his daughters to these wicked men. Remember that? I mean, hello, how far can you go? He called them brethren. He lost his testimony as he tried to encourage his family to now start following God. And they, they, they thought he was, they, they, they completely disregarded him. He lost his marriage. He lost his wife when she uh, turned her back. Remember that? And became a pillar of salt. And of course, he even lost his daughters. Even though they made it out alive, uh, they made it out alive with the culture completely permeating every part of them. So the damage, they got some gain out of it, but then they had some tremendous loss. The prodigal son, as he looked at his situation, he looked at how difficult it was 
being on the farm and doing the same thing day after day and how boring it is. And, and boy, it would just be so nice to go out into the world and, and, and experience what all this world has to offer. So, Dad, please give me my inheritance. And he left and he made that decision. And he lived it up. He had, he had all kinds of fun for a season. Then was there damage? Absolutely. He wasted his uh, substance with riotous living. His substance, his inheritance was gone. And now he's, he finds himself eventually in a pig pen uh, feeding the swine. He's like, man, this wasn't worth it. He moved himself to Moab and experienced tremendous damage. Now, again, we've already mentioned a couple areas in which we do this or we're tempted to do this. Marriage being a big one. Because once again, we can kind of look at our spouse or our situation and say, well, my needs aren't just being met exactly the way I think they should be. So let me kind of look over the fence and see, oh, look how green that grass is over there. So let me go ahead and dabble in that for a little while, just for a little while, not realizing that your attempt to escape your problems causes you to be in a place of greater problem. I don't know of a situation where somebody leaves a marriage and goes to another person where there's no fallout, no horrible problems that come after that. I mean, the kids are all kind of messed up or, or, or there's a potential for that for sure. And, and it, my friend, it just reeks of what happened here. And if we're not careful, we'll just focus on the negative and think we got to escape this. But I'm telling you, when you escape something that God has ordained and wants you to be in, you try to escape that, you're going to end up in a worse situation than you were before. Don't think that, okay, well, I'm going to go find somebody else. I'm going to find another guy. I'm going to find another girl that, you know, meets my needs. Do you really think it's a problem with the person that you're married to? Could it be a problem with you and your lack of contentment and your lack of trying to be the right person? I'm not saying, look, if there's if there's real abuse and all that, I understand there there there. God gives some exceptions in his word, obviously. But I think most marriages don't fall into those exceptions. They fall into the focusing on the negative and let's look over the fence and see if we can find something better. This happens in churches, as I mentioned. We can kind of get so focused on the negative. Well, our church doesn't do this and I, we don't have all this stuff and and other churches do, and like no one's keeping you here. If if that's your if that's your thought process, be careful though, um, because just because a church has all the bells and whistles doesn't necessarily mean it's the place that God wants you to be. Be very careful. That's a that's a big decision to leave a church and join another church. It's a big decision. Don't take it lightly. Elimelech, I think, was a little too light in his decision to move his family to Moab. And when it comes to jobs, again, we can kind of focus on all the negatives. Well, I'm not getting paid very much. They don't treat me very well. 
And uh, all the negatives, okay, well, go find another job, but then you're going to have to start over and climb that ladder all over again. And uh, be very prayerful about the jobs that uh, you are trying to find with large purchases. And again, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, what not to do. I'm just trying to say, be careful about some of these big decisions. Because too often, we just kind of go into them without really much thought, thinking about what it might cost us down the road. We might just think, oh, another, another person to be married to would be so nice. Will it? Another church to go to, that, that'd be so nice. Would it? Another job, uh, a, a new boss that actually appreciates me is so nice until he doesn't. Because that day eventually comes. Um, also, large purchases. We get unthankful for a house or a vehicle. And we go, I've got to get a different house. I'm just not content with my house that it, the way it is. Okay, you, you, go, you go get another house, but you understand there, there's going to be a cost involved. It, it, many people get in way more than they should financially just so that they can get a better house. I think it'd be wise for us to learn to be thankful for our situation before we decide to change our situation. Um, our vehicle. Now, obviously, like that's not as big of a purchase, but if, if I'm not careful, like I was driving to church tonight, I was just even thinking about this message, and then I was looking over and I saw uh, like a much newer Ford F-150 right next to me with like a big screen TV. It wasn't a big screen TV, but a big screen right there. You know, the, the guy's driving and there's a big screen that comes up and it's like got CarPlay and it's got all kinds of the bells and whistles. Some of you uh, know what I'm talking about. And I was kind of like, that would be nice, but at what cost? I mean, I could have that, but then I have now a car payment that I don't necessarily need to have right now is where, you know what I mean? It's like, I got I to gotta pay attention to not just the gain, but also the loss. When um, let, I got to hurry here, but when uh, we were in California, I was very mindful of this particular story in the Bible because I did not want to pull an Elimelech when we moved from California. We were in a good church. We were in a good scenario and deciding to move our family up to Montana. I did not want to put our family in a worse spot than we were already in. And it, it wasn't a bad situation. There were some challenges and difficulties, um, but I wanted to make sure that we weren't going to go to Montana and I was going to completely regret it. Um, and so I was very prayerful and, and thought through this. And I was like, okay, so financially, I don't think it's going to be better for us. And it wasn't, it was, it was a rough time for us financially, but spiritually and relationally and our family health grew exponentially. I mean, it was so profitable for us to be there and to uh, be, in a, be in that place. Uh, I believe really God did use that even to prepare me and our family for what God had for us here in Oklahoma. So I really believe God was in that, but I didn't want to just be like, okay, yeah, this is lame being here in California. I don't like it anymore. Let's go move. 
Now, I wanted to take, take that very carefully, and I did not want to pull an Elimelech. And, and you dads, you, you heads of the home, you ought to at least consider, hey, I don't want to pull an Elimelech here. Let, let, me, let me wrap this message up very quickly here with number four. Um, there, there was some tremendous damage that took place, but praise the Lord through it all, number four, the deliverance. Okay, there was some bright spots in this story. We know, most of us do, that Naomi was in chapter one wanting to call herself bitter, call me Mara. Well, later, she kind of removes that from her name. And God gets a hold of her heart, and she sees God working, and He's not done with her. And there's a beautiful aspect in that particular part of the part of the story. But one of the bright spots in this situation is that Ruth, a Moabitess, a Gentile, a pagan, was converted. And that's pretty neat because that was all of us. We're all Gentiles. She was a Gentile woman and we're all gentiles and the gospel is not just for the jews but the gospel is for every one of us and we can be delivered and then of course ruth in god's grace and sovereignty allows her to be part of the lineage of king david and then ultimately in the genealogy of the lord jesus christ at the end of Ruth, chapter number four, if you look there, it says in verse number 21, Salmon begat Boaz, who ended up becoming Ruth's husband. And we're going to kind of skip that part of the story. Most of us know that. But uh, Boaz and Ruth get married, and Boaz becomes her kinsman redeemer. And then Boaz begat Obed, and verse 22, Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. So Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David. And then also her name is inserted into the genealogy of Jesus Christ. She gets to be part of that. And this goes to show us that there was a wrong decision in my mind. I think that Elimelech should not have gone to Moab. He should have stayed put in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Even though there was a famine going on, look, everybody was dealing with it. Don't try to escape the problem. Just try to trust God through the problem. Well, even though that all happened, God's grace is sufficient. Even though there was error and sin, uh, Romans 5.20 puts it this way, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And we see that here in this particular story. But that does not give us then the license to go and do whatever we want. Hey, well, I can go to Moab. I can go. Uh, I can. I, I can escape my problems. And even though the problems that I might face down the road are, are worse, God's grace is, is sufficient. Well, don't don't abuse the grace of God. Romans 6 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we don't need to abuse God's grace. And, and uh, with this story, we can kind of say, Well, look how it all turned out. They all lived happily ever after. So maybe we should move to Moab. <laughs> maybe the title of the message should be Go to Moab. 
so that we can live happily ever after and so that we can... No, 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 that's not the point. If you would ask Naomi, should you have gone to Moab? I think she would say that was a big mistake, but God was greater than our mistake. And look, all none of us are perfect. We all blow it. We've all gone to Moab, figuratively speaking. We've all blown it. We've all... Uh, made made some wrong decisions in our life, and God's grace is sufficient to cover those. And I'm thankful for that. It's not to say, well, then that's licensed to do whatever I want. See, no, no, God forbid. Um, we're 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 supposed to be dead to sin, and so we shouldn't live any longer therein. We should instead walk in righteousness and walk in truth and heed the warning that uh, we've heard tonight to not go to Moab. What's Moab for you? Whatever it is, stay away from it. It's not the in place. It's not the place for you. Stay where God has you right now. Now, again, if God is moving, I understand that. God does move people. God moved Abraham. God moved all kinds of people in the Bible. God's moved me. And God's moved you probably. But if it's for the wrong reason, like it, I believe it was for Elimelech. Don't go to Moab. Stay where God has you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to look into this little passage of Scripture and this story. Um, and uh, Lord, I think there's some good lessons for us tonight. Help us to stay where you want us to stay, to not move until we get clearance from you. There's no record of Elimelech ever praying and asking for wisdom and for direction. He just up and moved his family to a pretty bad environment, um, trying to escape the problem. Help us to not do that. Help us to stay in the place of blessing. Even if the blessing seemed a little dried up, help us to stay where you are. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you for the time together tonight. I pray that you'd help us to apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.